November the 1st, sometime in the evening, welcome to Houndstooth Heroes. As always, we are proud to be sponsored by the good folks at Wild Bill's Wing Sauce and Druid City Brewing. I am Greg Dawkins. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend and co-host, Ellis Metz and Mr. Metz. Oh, boy, do we have a treat for you. You tonight, heroes. That is correct, Gregory. Uh, punctuality has never been our thing, so we are taking the heroes trick or treating tonight, and it is always a treat for this episode to come around. Heroes, we are pleased to have recruiting guru Mark Jennings joining us on the podcast this week. Exactly. Greetings, Mark. I concur with Ellis. Once a year isn't nearly enough, but a man in as high demand as you are. We are grateful to have you on. Before we get to the meat of the recruiting issues, can you update us on what's been going on in your life since we last spoke? Hello? Mark, Mark, Hello. come up to us. This is Mark. Mark. Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you, Mark. Speak okay. to us. I'm sorry, what, what was the question? Can you? We've been, it's been a while since we've had you on, so can you tell us the last time we spoke I believe your wife was pregnant with a child, but can you tell us what's been going on in your life since then? All right. All right. I, in the last year, well, first off, it's great to be on the show again, guys. You know, I haven't, Drew left, Drew quit the podcast and cost me a lot of money. Uh, you know, I had a lucrative contract with another podcast company and I lost that when Drew quit. And I thought that was kind of selfish on his part, but that's neither here nor there. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Let's talk about myself some. You know, my wife was pregnant. His great news is she had she had a beautiful baby boy named him named him after uh, you know one of the hardest working people I know, and that's myself. So I named him Marcus. He's Marcus Jennings. He's uh he's actually it's, it's a really weird thing. He's very dark skinned. He's uh you know he's a is a very you know he has very jet black hair, uh, oh, and so maybe there's some recessive genes going on there. I don't know. Maybe he has some re- re- some recessive uh, Latino or Latina genes. Mm-hmm. But but he it's, he he's, doesn't look like us. You know I don't know how genetics work. I'm not a scientist. I, I you know I break down films. I don't know these things. But Marks is doing well. You know I see him about two or three times a week. I'm so busy breaking down film. I don't get a chance to see him very much. Uh, but that's it. Uh, what else is going on? Oh yeah, uh, my wife. You know I was bugging her about getting back in shape after the baby. She had some baby fat on her, and so I wanted her to get back in shape. You know I, I did that because I wanted her to feel better about herself. You know, I told her it'd be a good idea to lose a few pounds. And so she started going to CrossFit. She got this CrossFit trainer, Travis. And Travis was real big into CrossFit. And she was doing a lot of exercising and stuff and hanging out with him. But, but Travis, unfortunately, was in a, little, in a CrossFit accident. I don't, I don't know what stuff they do in CrossFit. I'm sure if you know somebody that does CrossFit, they'll be more than happy to tell you about it. But, you know, he had some apparent, and, and Travis had an accident. And now Travis has lost the use of his arms and legs. That's unfortunate. Now, what? Uh, how did that, how did that come about? I don't know. I don't know how CrossFit works. It was. I, I don't know. Do you guys know anybody that does CrossFit? I, I, we know one guy, and we're going to ask him all about it. But all about the name of Danny. We, I believe you might know him. I believe he CrossFits a good bit. Okay. Well, if he, he I'm sure he'll be happy to tell you what happened. But, but I'm sure he knows Travis. Actually, does, does Danny live in the Central Alabama area? You know it. Okay. Then he and Travis probably know it. They probably go to CrossFit competitions together. Anyway, Travis is now a quadriplegic, and he lives in my, my basement now. Because of me, I'm a very unselfish person, and, and as you know, a man of, of great wealth to own the golf course. 
and and Travis lives in my basement, and my, my wife takes care of him 24-7 now. So that's what's going on. Man, I've been pretty busy. You know, my wife's taking care of Travis, and she's got the newborn, and I'm breaking down film. So, you know, for me, it's really not much of a thing because I just break down film all day anyway. That's my that's my passion in life. That's what I do. That's what God put me on this earth to do was to break down film. And so that's why – so to me, you know, it's really not that much of a track, but she's real busy, and God bless her and, and love her, and she's doing great. And she ended up did losing that weight, so that's the other good thing. Wow. Well, most importantly, that, that's good to hear that, Mark. Thank you for the update there. Uh, you mentioned breaking down film, and I want to jump into it because uh, heroes here, listener Fred, uh, know about a uh, little man crush I've got going on by uh, a kid by the name of Tagavailoa. You know, there's one in Tuscaloosa, but I'm, I'm very interested and want to hear your takes on the little one, little Tua, over at Parker High School where he seems to be breaking all kinds of school, school records. What are your takes there? First off, who is Fred? Is there a Fred that hadn't talked yet? He's not here. He's, he's our list, listener. Listener Fred? He's our listener. Oh, he's a listener. Hey, listener. Uh, first off, hey, Fred, thank you for listening. Uh, the, the question about Talia Tagovailoa out of, out of Thompson High School, actually at Thompson. You know, a lot of people saw him as a big game against Hoover last week. I went to the game, actually got to stand next to Drew with the game on Washington person. This guy is the real deal. You know, you see quarterbacks come out of Hawaii. They're not playing against the best competition, you know. And, and that's why guys like his older brother are so much harder to evaluate because you don't know what they're seeing. They get an all-star game. And, you know, all-star game, is, it's not a team sport. It's really individuals just showing out. So it's very difficult, to, especially at the quarterback position, where it's very difficult to project how a player is going to go from a high school game to a college game and really adjust to the speed of the game and the, really the complexity of the college schemes. Uh, and so those are all difficult to do. But back to Tolua Tagovailoa, he is he is above and beyond. I, I think what you see. I think he's the best high school quarterback in his class in the country. Uh, I think Alabama is very lucky that his family moved to Thompson to play at Thompson High School, and they had a big win last week. And I thought he looked fantastic. You know, Hoover's one of the best teams in the country. You know, every year they're the most talented, fantastic coaching with my good friend Coach Niblett over there. You know, I've known him forever. Uh, and, and they've always got their stuff together. And so I was actually pretty surprised that Thompson Day would come out with the win. Uh, but I thought Talia Tagovailoa uh, was, was fantastic. Uh, he's got great arm strength. He's got really what you see out of him that really separates him from other high school players, his ability to see the entire field. You know, you could actually watch him on the field going through his progressions. You don't see that a lot in high school. These high school offenses are designed for one, maybe two reads, make it real simple on the high school quarterback. Talia Tagovailoa is so far advanced and what he does and the ability to read the field. He, he, he's fantastic. He's got great legs. He can really – not just a guy, you know. We talk about some guys, you know, if, if they can – if the play breaks down, they can, they can, you know, get you maybe a six-yard run on third down for first down. But they're not really a weapon in the running game. Uh, Talia Tagovailoa is going to be a guy who's going to be a weapon in the running game. He's going to be able to – you're going to want to design a scheme around him and his ability to stretch the field not only vertically with his passing game but horizontally with his legs. And that's something that you really – I think he's fantastic. I don't know if I made that clear enough. I think he's by far the number one high school quarterback in his class. Uh, and I think he might be actually the best high school quarterback in the country this year. I like him a little better than, than the other guys who are seniors this year, guys like Justin Fields, like that. So I, I love Talia uh, Tagovailoa, and I think he's a fantastic player, and I think he's going to be great at the college level. All right, quick, two quick questions for you, uh, Mark. Uh, number one, uh, do you see him as being an Alabama commit? And if so – what kind of brother-on-brother uh, -brother quarterback controversy do you see brewing in Tuscaloosa? And number two, do you, is there anybody else that uh, the listener Fred should be keeping his eyes and ears open 
about this incoming class. All right. Well, you know, Talia, I'm, you know, I, I know a little bit. I'm not as close to his circle that I am other circles of guys that are being recruited. I don't have the connections uh, with his people. They just moved from Miami, excuse me, from Hawaii. I haven't had time to develop the, a relationship with the Tagbo Clavas that I have with other players. Um, so I, I don't know all the inside information, but from what I'm hearing from his coaches and the Thompson coaching staff, I would be shocked if he didn't go to Alabama. You know, when you move your family, how far is it from Hawaii to, to, to Thompson? Like 400 it's miles? It's a little bit. It's a few miles, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like four. I don't know. I'm not a geography expert. But four or like five hours, probably. probably. Yeah, yeah four, or 500, four or 500 miles. Anyway, I don't know what that is in kilometers, which is what they use in Hawaii. But you've got uh, – it seems hard to me that Talia is going to move all the way uh, from Hawaii to Thompson and not go to Alabama. I just don't see that happen. I think that the family's committed to the state of Alabama. And they live here now. And I, I don't see him going anywhere other than Tuscaloosa to be real lawsuit. I would be absolutely shocked. Be one of the biggest uh, surprises of my my career breaking down film, which spans decades. You know, I started back in the mid seventies breaking down film, and I would be shocked if he went anywhere other than Tuscaloosa. It'd be the biggest shock of my career, to be honest. With you. All right, fair enough. And the the part two of the question, uh, both football and basketball. I know you break down a little basketball film as well. Anything and your tide is uh, is uh, looking at probably the bottom end of the top twenty five. Is you know. And uh, adding anybody to uh, next year's class might be something we want to talk about as well. But talk about football and basketball. Where are we looking for uh, 2018? Uh, well, 2018's going a little slow for Alabama right now. You know, last year's class was so good. Last year's class is probably the best class of, of Coach Saban's career, even better than that 2008 <coughs> class had all his NFL players on it. I actually think last year's class was a little better. So it's not a surprise that things were going a little slower this year. But slowly but surely you're seeing guys trickle in. You saw a guy who was uh, – you saw – uh, Coach Saban, Alabama staff, Flip Emil Ikior uh, from his Michigan commitment last week. He's going to go to Alabama now. Uh, you want to be on the lookout for a guy named Nadab Joseph out of Miami Northern High School, out of Miami, Florida. Uh, he's one of the top cornerbacks in the country, in my opinion. I think he's, uh, you know, the recruiting experts. I think that he's a little underrated there. Uh, uh, but I think he's going to commit to Alabama pretty soon. You know, you look at his offer list, it doesn't really match the, the recruiting. You know, guys like Lugabill are going to go out there and see what the other recruiting sites are doing. They're just going to copy them and change some things up and, and maybe make it something real controversial, too. It's pretty clear that guys like Tom Lugabill really don't know what they're doing. Uh, and you see that with a guy like Nate Joseph, how poorly he's ranked. Uh, you look at Nate Joseph's offer list, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Auburn. You know, all the big-time SEC schools are after him. And I think even Alabama commit pretty soon, maybe even this weekend. Uh, another guy I want to look for, speaking of defensive back, is Savion Smith at JUCO. Uh, originally committed to LSU two years ago. He was the number one cornerback in the country two years ago. It was in the uh, uh, 16 class, I believe. Uh, he, he's, you know, he's, yeah, I never thought he was the number one cornerback in the country, but everybody else did, so that's why I'll call him that. Uh, he's, he's had some problems there in Baton Rouge, went to JUCO, and now he's back on the open market. And I think that Alabama wants him. Alabama's going to be able to get them. It's just depending, you know, you got to have to, to, to commit to a school, you got to have a school that wants you, and they got to make a firm offer, and that hadn't happened yet. But I think if Alabama wants Davion Smith, they'll be able to get them. All right. Uh, any, any thoughts on the hoops? Yeah, big commit tomorrow. Javion Fleming out of Canton, Mississippi, real big man, 6'9, really great around the boards, really a pretty smooth finisher. I'd like to be a little smoother, to be honest with you, a little more. A little flexible, a little more agile, but he's a bruiser down there in the paint, can really make some plays for you. Uh, can really get that clutch rebound for you when you need it late in the game. Uh, he's six nine, uh, big guy. I think he goes about two, uh, 265, 270. I believe he's a huge player. Reminds me a lot of Mark Madsen. Do you guys remember Mark Madsen? Oh, yeah. 
Who doesn't? Bart Madsen out of Danville, California. Uh, went to college at Stanford. I don't know what happened to him after that. I'm, I'm, without a doubt, I'm sure he had a fantastic college and pro career. Uh, but he, when I look at Javion Fleming, he reminds a lot of Mark Madsen. I was breaking down Mark Madsen's film back in the mid-'90s out of Danville, California. So I like Javion Fleming a lot. It's down to Georgetown, Alabama tomorrow. Uh, from here, he's going to be in Alabama. Uh, he's going to commit to Alabama. I know Coach Johnson visited him this, earlier this week, and I think that's another good sign for Alabama. I think he's going to end up there. They end All up right. in Tuscaloosa, I should say. All right. Well, fair enough, Mark. Well, uh, as always, we can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing your uh, insights on breaking down film. I know you've got a lot going on. You've got this brown skin baby and, and a quadriplegic, quadriplegic in your basement you've got to tend to. So we will let you go. Uh, but we, as always, like I said, we appreciate you coming in and, and sharing all your insight. Anytime, guys, you know, anytime you want. I don't have a podcast anymore, thanks to Drew, because he went to go work for a plumbing magazine. Uh, right. I don't think do that anymore. But anytime you guys want me have me on, I'll be happy to do it. Perfect. Now, tell tell listener Fred where uh, where they can keep up with all your insight on all the old players. Uh, this is great. I will say this for Drew, uh, even though he's a, he's a reprobate and, and quit the podcast. Uh, he set me up a Twitter, and my Twitter handle is at Mark Jennings55. That's M A R K J E N N I N G S 55. You can tweet me questions on there. I love the Twitter, it gives me immediate access to everyone, and I can answer all your questions. My, DM, my, my DMs, I think, is what they call them. They're open, is what I'm supposed to say. It's what it tells me to say. They're open, and you can contact me there. Uh, that's the best way you can do it. I have an email, but to be honest with you, I don't like the email as much. It's a little too being the computer kind of confuses me sometimes. Uh, but that that's find me on Twitter on at Jennings 55 Perfect. All right, Mark. Thank you so much again. All right, you guys have a great night. Anytime. All right. Thank you, Mark. Boy, at Mark Jennings 55 where the takes are always hot and the caps are always locked. Uh, that was just delightful, Gregory. Yes, indeed. He, he is a true delight. And speaking of delights, do not think that we're going to let this podcast go by without reveling in the 11th straight third Saturday in October win. It was a gorgeous day down in Tuscaloosa. Uh, and, and in addition to that, it's been a gorgeous day ever since because Butch Jones still has a job as head football coach in Knoxville. Uh, plenty to revel in. As always, but uh, but particularly, you know, looking back on the forty-five to seven victory, Gregory, I want to I want to start a new feature here. Tell me how you feel about it. New feature on the Houndstooth Heroes. Here it is. Who showed out? (coughs) Who showed out? Who showed out? Tell me. (coughs) All right, I'll tell you who showed out, Ellis. Calvin Ridley showed out. Mm. Eight receptions for eighty-two yards. It kind of Mm. felt like he'd been under wraps a little this year, but he. Definitely made his mark in the ball game. What about you, Metsy? Tell me this. Who showed out for you? The ball game. That was nice. Uh, I'm going to go with my boy, Isaiah Bugs, who was <clears throat> everywhere Saturday, seemingly. He had uh, seven tackles to lead the team. He had half a tackle for loss. So it was uh-huh. a negative Sharing, two-yard sharing, game. Is, well, sharing is good. That's like exactly right. That's exactly right. Uh, but, yeah, he, he led the defense in holding the Vols to only 64 yards rushing, which was hilarious. Uh, so I think that's my pick here. All right. Well, that's, this is a fantastic segment of Who Showed Out. Thank you. Um, all right. But, I mean, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the game because, let's be real, it was not a particularly strong start 
for your boys and friends. No, it wasn't. And I was not a particularly pleasant person to be around during, uh, yeah, easily the first half and then probably a little bit into the third. I'm embarrassed to say I was, uh, I was down the deep end on this one. Uh, and, and it wasn't in the least bit, not in the least for, I'm trying to say, Jalen Hurts. Jalen, oh boy, boy, boy. Your favorite player. I know, and I want to like him, and there's so much that, uh, that is likable about him. But if a defense can put 10 men in the box, we cannot run the ball, and they know that we cannot pass the ball. So I, I think our offense is destined for uh, staleness. Is that the word? I don't know. I think, I think it's a very stale product uh, when he's in there at this point. Uh, yeah, I will, I'm not, I'm not going to go that far, but I will agree with you that Jalen looked, for at least the first half, a little lost. And honestly, the Vols defense played lights uh, out. That is fair. Half. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, but this really, to be honest, at, at the end of the day, this was the second largest line in the history of Southeastern Conference football, and the Tide covered it. So in the end, there's really not a whole lot to complain about. No. But can we talk quickly? Uh, I want to get back to complaining, but can we talk quickly about Saban's halftime interview? Uh, yeah. Where he... And the, the, the questions were innocent enough, uh, and, and she asked a few things about how, you know, he could get the defense back on target for the second half, and then he went into psychological dispositions and said, I'm just trying to be nice to you right now. Yeah, yeah. Was, that, was <laughs> that, that made me feel better about the second half and better about the season in general, I'm going to say. Yeah, I mean, you just kind of knew. See. Right, you just kind of knew if he's trying to fake nice – he is just waiting the three minutes it takes to get in there and rip somebody a new asshole. Yeah, and, and it was all deserved. I just I can't get over uh, how upset I was in the first half of that game. Um, the, uh, the niece was here, just quick anecdote. Oh, so that, that prevented you from expressing yourself verbally. Well, yes, and at some point she was trying to read a book, and I basically just, uh, just <laughs> laid down and held something by my face and flapped pages around as I just stared at the TV in horror. It was an awful experience, I've got to say. I, I understand completely. All right, we're turning to complaining because people are complaining, or are they? Because the college football playoff came out today, and, well, yesterday, and your tide checks in behind the dog at number two. Are we pissed? Are we fine? What do we think? What, what, where, are we, where, are we, where are we coming down on this? Playoffs? Is this right? You want to talk about playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Um, right. <laughs> you know what? I think this is the best thing that's happened to us uh, probably since the old Miss loss uh, in whatever year that was. Um, this is with all the talk of rat talk and – or of rat poison, rat talk, rat poison, <laughs> and uh, the difficulty that we've had in keeping teams really complacent and finding, uh, you know – Someone who can handle a little bit of adversity. It's absurd that being number two in the playoff ratings, in the first playoff ratings here in October, uh, is the adversity that we need. But it's something. We haven't had anything in so long. Uh, I think this is outstanding news, and and I danced in the street when I heard it. I tend to agree. I know there are people who are complaining. However, I do think that LSU is a surging team, and if we go in there flat, 
and given the line being 24, we'll get to that later, but given the line being what it is, this has a dead game written all over it. And if it takes us being stupid number two to get, provide a little bit of motivation and it's a weird thing that we live in. People don't quite get it. I, I don't, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but I'm going to, you know, people talk, Oh, Alabama sucked all the joy out of the game. And I can't believe you're pissed about being number two. We're not pissed. It's that it's when you are what our program is, you know, if, if we don't find ourselves in the championship game, I know for a fact, we're going to lose a ball game because there is no motivation other than the championship. So, you know, and, and people laugh at that and think you're stupid. But at this point, and, you know, when you've got, when you've got four and ten years or whatever it is, um, that is the expectation. And it is hard to find motivation. And if number two is your motivation, so be it. I'll take it where I can get it. Yeah, I will absolutely take it. Uh, I think it probably affects Georgia less than us. I mean, if they want to be excited about that, that's fine. Their fans are talking trash, which is hysterical uh, yeah. but yeah frankly I don't care and I'm if anything happy about it fair enough and I think we'd be remiss if we did not segue a little bit into uh, the opposite of the tide which is the coaching circus um, alright I'm going to start with Jim McElwain mm. being out in Florida I have a take a really odd take about that now, granted he did have sex with that shark and make up death threats mm-hmm. but really that's a feature, not a bug, in my opinion. The reality is that dude has 14 starters out to either injury or indictment, and it would be hard for any team to perform in that situation. Uh, so I don't, I think, I think kicking Mac out at this point, if you had a full complement of players, and don't, you know, it's only that down an injury or two, whatever normal, uh, and whatever that quarterback's name is with the hair, had he not been gone, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, look, I, I would get it, but I think, yes, this, this version of the, of, of the Gators is, is trash, but there's also a reason they're trash. So I think kicking Mac out at this point, it was probably premature. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think it, uh, to me feels a little like George, I mean, on a, a totally different level and in a much shorter time frame, but a little like Georgia getting rid of Mark Richt when they said, you know, just sort of getting to the SEC championship every year isn't going to cut it for us. And I think those are absurd standards to hold your coach to, uh, particularly in light of everything you said. And, and you mentioned the quarterback, Will Greer, who is now leading yeah. the FBS in touchdown passes at West Virginia. I think that may be even kind of a bigger aspect of this uh, than the death threats and, and the shark sex and every other piece. Uh, <laughs> gosh, that's such a great, what a time to be alive. Right, you know, yeah. I'm just there so you glad there, it all happened. There he was on a boat having sex with a shark. Yeah. I mean, that just doesn't happen. That didn't yeah. happen in the 90s. And then, I mean, yeah, Steve that's Spurrier, exactly right. I mean, Steve Spurrier may have sexed a shark, but he kept it to his damn self. Hey, and he sure didn't talk to the media about it. Right, he never denied it. It never came <laughs> up. There weren't pictures. It wasn't the internet. I mean, because let's, I mean, I can't think of another coach in the nineties. And if you have any information about that H, at H two heroes on Twitter or on Facebook, if you think somebody else besides Spurry will sex in a, a sex in a shark, let us know because that's really the only person I can think of because that's Florida as hell. We are, we are very much into that. <laughs> and, and, we are a, we are a shark sex podcast. Yeah, that's, we that's well, 
five, five days a week anyway. Uh, moving on to what I can only think to describe as uh, the result of human shark procreation, and that is Butch Jones himself. Uh, that poor bastard. Mm. He is O for conference play, and really the AD seems to be, I mean, He's it's it's like he's trolling him at this point. He seems to be prolonging the agony. Um, I mean, you've got to know that dude's going to get fired. But then he comes in and makes a statement that I see improvement in this team. So you don't know. But I mean, I've got to think all he's doing is giving him some glimmer of hope for the Southern Miss game where they're only favored by five points over Southern Miss. But um, you've got to think that poor bastard's out. I mean, you, you, you can't go over conference play at Tennessee and expect to keep your job. But, I mean, you you know more than I do. You've got your ear to the ground uh, regarding the balls. What are you hearing? Well, I was fortunate oh, enough to be in East Tennessee uh, when Tennessee experienced their second loss to the Kentucky Wildcats in 33 years. Uh, hysterical. The, the question right. there is if, not when. That's what everyone's asking. Jimmy Hyams, uh, who is kind of the uh, stalwart of – uh, of Knoxville sports reporting at this point has said that his sources all say that he's out following the Southern Miss game. And I just don't understand the decision at all. Uh, I mean, and we've talked about this, Gregory, but I think this has to be the worst state that Tennessee football has been in, if not yeah. ever in the last 50 years. Well, I mean, we've beaten them 10 in a row before, but it was never, they were never this trash. No. I mean, no. we were just better. They were good, but we were better. But damn, this is, this is, yeah. Yeah. And, and Lee, I don't, I don't track the history of Tennessee football, but my God, in my lifetime for sure, and that's been way too long, um, this is the worst I've ever seen. Yeah. And in those years when we would still consistently beat them, uh, which is the norm, they at least would compete with other teams, and uh, mm-hmm. you're not seeing. I mean, they're competing with the Kentuckys now and the Florida, who just fired their coach. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it is horrendous. They're expecting a crowd of sixty to seventy thousand for homecoming against Southern Miss this weekend, which I I think has to be the final straw. Although again, I can't understand why there hasn't been a final straw before then. Uh, it'll be curious to see. I have heard uh, it won't happen, but it would be hilarious if Phil Fulmer came in to do an interim coach little gig for the last oh couple God. games of the season. I would just laugh and laugh, uh, but I, I think he is the next to fall. I, I, I would give anything in my life for Phil Fulmer to coach the balls in a bowl game and that be a food-related bowl game. <laughs> Please, anyway. from your ears to our podcast, to the football exactly. guys. Exactly. All right. Um, and honestly, there are a few other hot seats in play. Uh, Kevin Sumlin could be out at Texas A&M. That Luke character will definitely be yes. out at Ole Miss. And then there's Burt at Arkansas. There's just a heck of a lot of empty slots for only a few guys. Uh, Scott Frost at UCF is a hot name, and I can understand why, but he's a Nebraska guy, and uh, I don't want to get mm. too deep into it. Big Ten football, but Nebraska is also hot trash, so it's a good chance that he he's not even going to be in play for any of those. Uh, and some folks seem to think the Oregon coach and maybe the Memphis coach are in play. But other than that, I'm not really hearing. Those are the names I'm hearing, and those aren't enough names for the people that are going to be uh, out of a job at the end of this year. 
Let me ask you this. Is there someone you think is the best get Tennessee could, could end up with realistically? Oh, wow. Realistically. I have my answer, if that'll help. Okay, I am – I don't have an answer for that. If you have, a, if you have one, roll I, with it. I think they've got – I mean, if I were a, a consult to the Tennessee AD who apparently needs it, uh, I think they've got to shell out for Petrino. You've got to swallow some of your uh, moral dignity. Oh but the guy wins. He gave us hell at Arkansas. Uh, yeah, and, and has stayed out of trouble in the spotlight for a few years. Lamar's graduating, as everyone has pointed out. Uh, well, graduating is probably not the right word. Moving on. Right. Uh, I think Petrino should be their guy, whether he is or not, TBD. Right. Well, okay, you know more about Tennessee than I do. I mean, when he was in play at Auburn, I knew Auburn was not going to hire him. Right. Because they, you know, they pretend to take the moral high ground about things. And, you know, he had that, you know, well, that motorcycle issue. Uh, and so Auburn was not going to hire him because they think they're, uh, they're too far too Jesus-y for somebody like Bobby Petrino. What is the, what is the moral compass at Tennessee? Do they have one? Do they care? Cause honestly, if they, all they care about is winning, that is a perfect play for them. But I, if they think they, if they think they're moral in some fashion, you know, that obviously is a hindrance. It'll be interesting. Uh, I think, I think the moral compass is dictated by football success. And uh, yeah. that said, I think it went out the window a few years ago. I mean, they didn't, they didn't raise any flags when Butch was having Title IX and all kinds of allegations being made uh, on campus because they thought he was still the guy. Now that he's not the guy, I don't think they have any sort of uh, personality qualms that they're not willing to overlook if the guy can win. Point in case that half the fans in Knoxville are calling for Lane to return, are pleading Lane to return, which is, oh yeah, it's just, it's Shakespearean at this point. Uh, but that's enough about our gross orange neighbors. Uh, let's talk boom, because we've boom. gone down the list. I think Burt is surely safe. Arkansas uh, may keep him. But the, the Carolina faithful aren't especially happy with boom over there, uh, you know, but I think outside Spurrier, they've never really experienced success under anyone. So I don't, I don't see much happening there. Uh, that's probably enough about the carousel because Gregory, I've got a bone to pick. Oh, a bone to pick. It's a related bone. bone and pick it's a bone. donkey bone, son. <laughs> oh God, you're picking a bone and picking a donkey. It's, it's There's a lot happening right here. Donkey boning going on. Uh, oh, God. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, no, see, uh, there's just too much animal sex in this podcast. It really is. Wow. More than one. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my my donkey of the decade of the week is a group this time. And, you know, as, as every week I start to think about this, and Tennessee always comes to mind immediately. We just mentioned uh, the Tennessee AD, John Curry, who is in entirely over his head. But I think the donkey of the decade of the week is actually – all of the SEC ADs, and, and it's probably a national problem, but let's focus here regionally. And my issue here is the contract buyouts that they've agreed to. Uh, mm. You know, and, and I'll start with the man in the mirror because Nick Saban has a buyout that it, I took my breath away when I read it. $26.9 million. But that's totally justifiable, right? Listen to the second highest in the SEC. The second highest... Football coaching buyout is Mark Stoops at Kentucky 
with a $14.8 million buyout. The guy huh. looks like Melissa McCarthy doing Sean Spicer. All he needs is a podium. Uh, under him is the McElwain buyout, which you and I have discussed, and I've gotten your official legal advice. Just kidding, everybody. Uh, right. That he will probably ultimately be rewarded that buyout. Yeah. To the tune of $40 million is what I'm hearing. And not, I don't know how, I don't know the numbers or I, I, it exceeds his buyout. So I don't know how that works, but I am heard, I'm told that if, if he is let go, not for cause, because there is, there is that uh, death threat issue that they're trying to get around as a, as a cause issue. But if not, he is going to be sitting on a pile of $40 million, uh, $1 bills to go a long way at Aaron's age. Yeah, that is indeed a pile. And then the two that really, there are a few folks floating in the tens, booms there, but the two at $8 million are just mind-blowing to me. Uh, one being Dakocho at $8.8 million, where literally you could have just offered that guy like a handful of those Boy Scout candy bar boxes and, right. and call it a day. I don't even think you needed to go beyond that. Uh, Eight point eight million for his buyout, and then Butch at eight point one. Butch came in largely unproven, and I think Tennessee has probably learned their lesson here. But boy, that's a costly one. Yeah. Okay. And I'll, I'll I'll piggyback on that a little bit because there's a. You're gonna say you'll ride that donkey? I will ride that donkey. All right. God, we've got to stop. All right. So here's here's something that I've found as a trend is coach has good year. Coach is snatched up based on one good year and then handed this contract with this enormous buyout, then coach fails. Yep. And that's a trend I'm seeing in a lot of places is, you know, you like the guy, the guy whose name I can't remember at Purdue. He's doing very well for Purdue. But people are talking about him now as a head coach at decent places based on one year at Purdue. And I'm sorry, I need to see more than one year because you may have just somehow inherited a decent roster. And you did well, um, you know. And, and this happens not just in football, also in basketball, where you show out one year, and all of a sudden you're the hot name. You get the big ass contract with the big ass buyout, and then you flop. Yeah, and that gives me a little concern. You mentioned Scott Frost earlier, who is the hot name. Granted, he I think adopted a zero and twelve team. At my right. boy, shout out to uh, listener Robinson, uh, who is a. The, the largest Golden Knights fan I know and has accepted the fate that Scott Frost will be leaving. But he accepted a winless team, turned them, I want to say, to six and seven maybe, and now has them undefeated and in the top 15. Uh, that is a little different. I'm giving him a little yeah. more stock than uh, the, the, the ones fine. you just described. Yeah. All right. All right. Enough about other people. Let's go ahead and move on to us. Um, all right. Here's the thing. This used to be a big game, this LSU game, the one that's mm-hmm. coming up. But we haven't lost since 2011. And your tide comes into this matchup as, it, depending on where you get it, you may be able to get it as a 24-point favorite. So Vegas doesn't see that streak ending this week at all. I was totally shocked about the 24-point favorite. Uh, but you're exactly right about sort of what this game used to mean and still means. And I just want to say it is possibly my favorite week because I get to say Guiche. It's guys. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Guiche. Okay, whatever. Here's the deal with Guiche. 
He's probable. He didn't practice this week. So who knows what shape he's really in. But at his peak, Riche is a load. He averages 5.7 yards per carry. But that number, I will point out to you, Tide fans, is skewed. He absolutely showed out in the early uh, first couple of games. I think it's BYU and UT Chattanooga. And then galloped for 1 million yards against Ole Miss's trash defense. But against Florida, Auburn, and Moo, he was held to under 75. Yeah, I, I don't know if this is a, a conversation people are having, and I haven't watched nearly enough of either. Uh, but he, I think, is a little more daunting of a test than Fournette. And Lord knows Leonard Fournette never accomplished anything against us. I don't suspect Guiche will be much, much different, but I think he will be a little uh, bit more of a challenge for our defense to get. Uh, speaking of challenges, there's a person under center uh, for Dakocho by the name of Danny Etling. Uh, he is a Purdue transfer and is serviceable on the surface uh, when you look at the numbers, but then you take out the UT Chattanooga game and take out the BYU game, and he starts to look much more average. Uh, there is a linebacker who is all everything for the Tigers by the name of Arden Key. I suspect we will want to key in on Arden uh, this weekend. And speaking of showing out earlier, he did just that against Ole Miss. Uh, six total tackles, five of them solo with two sacks. Yeah, and on the whole, LSU is improving. And we'll get to that in a minute, but as we talked about, the 24-point line is bonkers. Uh, in case you didn't know, the game is at 7 o'clock, Tuscaloosa time. So there is plenty of time for you to get down to Druid City Brewing Company and enjoy a liquid refreshment or a 1,000 and get you a nice base going with the good Wild Bill's wing sauce eats that they always serve up. Yeah, and shout out to <laughs> Druid City Brewing who took in listener Fred last weekend. I'm sure he showed up looking like a lost puppy and was welcomed as a friend. And he left the brewery with one of the most gorgeous ball caps I've ever seen. It's just your classic okay. DC. It wasn't a woman. Okay, thank you. No. I was like, he's the most gorgeous. Oh, Hello, yeah. No, no, it was a ball cap. It was a ball All cap. Right. All right, good, good, good. <laughs> anyway, time for hates? I two hates. All right, I've been hating hard all week, and I'm ready. Uh, all right. Kick us off. Let's do it. Uh, Ole Miss. The Ole Miss Rebels, your Ole Miss Rebels, they travel to the bluegrass of Kentucky where your Rebels are getting four points. Who do you hate, pal? This is a tough one to choose. Uh, I think Kentucky may suffer some sort of a letdown after winning their Super Bowl against the Vols. And additionally, uh, Ole Miss is playing a backup quarterback. They, too, have a second-string Hawaiian, which is the name of my upcoming band. Uh, second string Hawaii. Second string Hawaii. I'd go see them. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Lou Althine. Surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, I need spam in it, yeah. Yes, exactly. Lots of spam tunes. Uh, he is a solid, solid threat. Had a great game uh, for them <coughs> last week. I actually am slightly... Ooh, I think I'm going to take the Rebs, but, but not a lot of hate. So hating the Cats here. Yeah, I really, really, really hate the Cats. So much so that it's my hate of the week. Of the week, of the week. Kentucky is not a bad team. And how often do you get to say that? But they're not. 
But their secondary, however, is trash. And there's only one thing that Ole Miss can do. Uh, the Land Sharks know how to throw the ball. Uh, so with that, I think they exploit the hell out of the Kentucky secondary and win probably by 14 points. Okay, that's fair. Uh, uh, yeah, that's fair. Um, next up, the USM Golden Eagles travel to Vol Country. Uh, as with literally every other game of his career except Alabama, this is a must win for Butch Jones. <laughs> literally. If you can recount, by the way, if you could recount your tweet of Butch Jones in, in uh, 2040, that was probably yeah, the finest moment. 2040, uh, the Vols are 0-4 preparing for their game against Eastern Maine Tech State. And there's game day on Saturday morning saying, this just feels like a must win for Butch in Knoxville. What do you think? <laughs> just, still, just a must win for him. Uh, the millionth must win that he has not won. Uh, Vols are a seven-point fave, which, ugh, we've had some dark days and played Southern Miss in some dark Eras, and I'm not sure oh. that we were ever just a seven point fave. Who you yeah. hate, Gregory? Even, even, even that, even that Brett Favre game. I think uh, when I was in school, that uh, we were favored by more. Now we right to be lost, but nevertheless, can't believe uh, I'm hating. That I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna hate on the Eagles here. Uh, the Vols are trash, but USM lost to hated UAB, who needs to be oppressed more. So I don't see things going well for the Golden Eagles in Cape Vegas. Yeah, uh, hey, yeah, I'm hating on I'm hating on the Eagles. What about yourself? They lost to UAB bad. I want to say it was a twenty yeah. something point point margin there. Uh, so I am going to also hate the Eagles, and uh, I'm just going to kick some rocks here and say it's my hate of the week. <laughs> All right, fair enough. All right, next up the barn. Goes to Texas A&M in College Station. Take on the weirdos. It's a weirdo on weirdo bowl. Something like, like maybe we call it the cult bowl. I don't know. But the barn is giving 13 and a half points against these weirdos. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm choking. <coughs> and I really want to call the upset here. Um, I think it could happen. Uh, the barn is losing their number two running back to a clavicle. And I can't remember his name, but who, who really cares? Uh, but if AM could not beat Moo at home, I just don't see it happening. Although I think, you know, I just think back to the kind of motivation that they had when they played us, that AM is more than capable of sticking with Auburn. Uh, the question I have is, do they have the motivation to do it? I don't think they will. That said, 13 and a half, in my opinion, is too many. I'm going to hate the barn against the points. What about yourself? That is a whole lot of points. Uh, I, I agree with everything you said. Uh, but if you recall, I want to say three years ago, uh, Manziel's final year in College Station, they played a great game against Auburn, I hate to say. It went back and forth the whole night, and there were just a couple lucky bounces that went Auburn's way, and Manziel couldn't pull it out. Uh, I know that'll shock you that those bounces may have gone that particular direction. Uh, I think... I think we see something similar. Obviously, it won't be sort of the points, the shootout fest. I mean, it may be a small shootout, but not to that extent. Uh, I think I think Auburn needs some luck. I think they uh, hang on late. They may even knock Kellen Mond out of the game with their defensive line. Uh, so I'm going to hate 
the barn against the points, but they probably win by six or seven. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, next up, South Carolina is playing the Ugga Dogs. They're going to get murdered. There's also some other trash games. Do we care about those? Absolutely not. Let's talk Gator. Fair enough. Uh, the coachless Florida Gators travel to Columbia, Missouri, beautiful Columbia, Missouri, where lo and behold, the Tigers, the yellow and black Tigers, are favored by two football points. Tell me, Gregory, where does your hate lie? In fact, that number has moved up to three and a half. And to be honest with you, I would not pick Missouri in this game if Florida were being coached by Jim McElwain's sharp girlfriend or boyfriend. I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's a girlfriend or a boyfriend. I don't know the sex of that shark. I don't want to judge the man. But I am hating Mizzou hard here. They're just a bad football team. Florida's not great, but they're better than Missouri, and they're going to cover. They're going to win this game outright. What about yourself? You know what? I want, I'm feeling a little contrarian. Uh, Columbia is going to be on a high after they uh, they hosted a 68-21 to 21 win over Idaho two weeks ago. Uh, yeah, Mizzou carried that momentum. Listen to this research. Two, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm about to cite two games that happened recently. Uh, Mizzou then went to UConn and won 52-12. to 12. So my math is hard, but I think that's like 120 points two weeks. I am calling, I guess what Vegas is calling, uh, and hating a Gator. Wow. Okay. Fair enough. Um, Okay. The game you came for. Your Tide takes on the Bayou Tootsis Cats in Tuscaloosa, where the Tide is handing the Tigers 24 points. Who is your hate, my man? Boy, 24 points. Again, just. I think. Yeah, could not could not uh, believe that when I read it. But let's let's uh, reemphasize here. Your number two in the nation, Tide is taking on the Bayou Tunes' cats. Uh, I, think, I think the stars are sort of aligning in our favor, and I hate to be the gump who picks us to hang a Franchoni every week, but <laughs> it's sort of becoming my role. It'll happen one day. It'll happen one day. Um, you know, I think, I think there's a lot. I, the the um, sort of disrespecting the tide, we'll call it, factor there is big. The players in Baton Rouge have also been disrespecting the Tide and talking about how they're bigger and stronger and faster and ready to beat up on Big Brother, which is hilarious in itself. Uh, I think a night game in T-Town, those have proven, I think, particularly uh, difficult for the Bayou Bengals to come in and perform for. And Jalen has to get his act together. I'm giving him one last chance. One last chance, Jalen. This is your chance. I think he gets it together. Maybe another touchdown by our boy, the TD machine himself, Henry Ruggs. Uh, yeah, you're right. Man, that was that was sexy. Uh, mm-hmm. Bo's got to make a bounce back. He ended up with like 18 yards last week. Uh, and I he think got disrespected. He got disrespected. Bo in particular did? Yeah, did no. you not hear that? No. Well, okay, he really did not. But uh, that is totally how I'm going to sell it right now. Um, Saban said we are both pleased and disappointed with Bo Scarborough. No, that was a typo. Oh. Yeah, the the tweet was deleted. Sorry, I saw that. See, he said we why, were not disappointed. Why, why do I go through life believing things? <laughs> anything. Anything at all, I'll believe it. Tell me anything, I'll believe it. Anyway. <laughs> well, there was this football coach and a shark. Uh, right. Anyway. Right. Yeah, no. He gave some the actual coitus. All right. But, but we'll call it disrespecting the tide. 
Fine, I absolutely fine. Whoever typed it was. Uh, but here's my X factor in the game. I think for once the bye week helps us. I, I always hate our bye week, and I'm never particularly pleased with the coaching uh, changes that are evident afterward. <laughs> but LSU, like you talked about, they're a surging team. I think the bye week cooled them a little bit. I think they'll get out of the rhythm that they had established. Uh, I think it all all aligns for the tide. Like I said, I'm going to say we squeak by the cover, uh, hating the Tigers. Tide pulls it out 35 to 10. All right. This line is stupid. Mm-hmm. We aren't beating LSU by 24 points. They're coming together as a team despite what you said about the bye week. I think it's bullshit. We've been beating the hell out of SEC teams, but those teams have collectively won one conference game. Uh, when we played a moderately decent team in Texas A&M, it was an eight-point game. Now, granted, it was a garbage-time touchdown that got it to eight, uh, but I think LSU is better than Texas A&M. So uh, we're going to win this game. I'm, I'm not freaking out about that, but I don't think it's the blowout that the experts – and the other idiot on this podcast think it's going to be your score is the Alabama Crimson Tide 23, the LSU Fighting Toots is 10 points. I'm going to see right. be such a miserable <laughs> schmuck at halftime. <laughs> you are, aren't you? All right, you've been listening to Houndstooth Heroes brought to you by Wild Bill's Wing Sauce and the Druid City Brewing Company, fresh off two championships at the Alabama Player Competition. So stop by and check out the brews and the wings this weekend, guys. Remember, you can find us on the website at Houndstooth Heroes, on Twitter at H2Tooth Heroes, or on Facebook with all the mommies and the kids in the costumes. Take us home, Mutsy. Oh, y'all be good. Roll Tide. <laughs>